Um, so, as most of you guys know, um, as a team, we meet together quite regularly, and you know, we, we're praying for you guys and for the guys in Fordingbridge. And as we were praying for this church family, um, I felt God give me this word some time ago, and I've just been sat on it, waiting for the right time to deliver it. So as I prayed, I saw many warriors in a settlement who were going about the business of daily civilian life. Not in a bad way or a preoccupied way, but just in an everyday survival way, doing the things that needed to be done. I saw butchers, farmers, bakers, fishermen, and builders, all working, but knowing that they were waiting for a call. And sure enough, then the trumpet call to battle sounded, and the settlement is transformed. Now horses are being groomed and saddled and tacked for battle. Warriors are gathering into formations, arms are issued, and swords are sharpened. Armor is once again donned, and straps are tightened and secure. The thrill and adrenaline of battle is stoked in their hearts. The banner of God is raised over the battlefield and the army rallies towards it, ready, prepared and determined to go again. And as they look, their commander, their captain, their leader strides amongst them onto the battlefield and they feel thrilled, encouraged, motivated by his presence and his leadership. I felt that this was a call to this church for battle. Today, I believe, is a call to arms. So I wanted to say, let's do business with God today by offering ourselves to him again, by getting ourselves right with him, and by saying, I'm here, Lord, and I am ready for battle. Did you want me to go into preach? Or? Yeah. Thanks. Okay, so this is going to be one of those um, change gear moments then. So <laughs> what I don't want to do is I don't want you to let that image of the battlefield and of God, Jesus coming amongst his army. I don't want you to put that out of your minds, but I just want you to let that rest, let it simmer there in the background as I move into my preach. So in case you don't know me, yes, my name's Dale, and I am part of the team that leads at New Life Community Church. Today, we're going to continue our preaching series called Steps of Faith, where we're taking a closer look at men and women in the Bible that have stepped out in faith for God and then seen God do incredible things as a result. Now today, we're going to be looking at a Samaritan woman who stepped out in faith for Jesus by inviting her whole town to meet him. You can find her story in the New Testament book of John chapter 4, but I'm going to, I'm going to just set the scene before we go there. So Jesus is on his way from Judea to Galilee. And he decides to pass through a region called Samaria on the way. Now, this is a little flag. That's an odd decision by Jesus. 
Uh, as you look into that story, there's a couple of ways he could have gone. He decides to go through Samaria. And that's an odd decision because, well, as we'll find out, Jews and Samaritans don't normally mix. Anyway, about midday, he came to a Samaritan village called Sychar, and tired from the baking sun and his long walk, he sat wearily beside a well. And his disciples hurried off into town to buy some food, leaving Jesus to rest by himself. And before long, our Samaritan woman arrives, carrying her empty water jar, ready to be filled from the well. Now, you're all very nice people. And uh, that means I feel super confident to share with you some things about myself, okay? And I know that when I get down from preaching, no one's going to mock me or, you know, uh, look at me differently. So one of the things I want to share with you this morning is that I had some nicknames in college. Um, Some of them were not cool. Um, I had a beard when I was 16. So uh, in college, I was called Bin Laden for the first part of my college life. That, that wasn't a fun one. Um, but I was also called Goldie, which I thought was a much cooler nickname, right? Goldie. Um, but that wasn't because I had like a gold teeth up in my grill or a big chain hanging around my neck. I wasn't particularly into gold. Um, the reason I was called Goldie uh, was because it was short for goldfish. Um, my classmates christened me goldfish because... <laughs> They got fed up with me uh, saying things like, what room are we in for next session? What assignments due tomorrow? And at a particularly low point, where's the cafeteria again? Uh, They just got sick and tired of me forgetting every little thing. Thankfully, when my college days were done, all those names were long gone. Uh, None of those names stuck with me, thank God. But uh, I'd like to also say that I'm no longer forgetful, that I've grown out of that, that I don't do that anymore. Uh, That's not true either. (laughs) Because at least once a day, you do this as well, don't lie. You walk into a room very intentionally, you stride in, and then you, why did I come in here again? And then you have to turn around, and you have to walk back, and you think, oh no, I know, I know why I came in here. I know exactly why. And sometimes... (laughs) Sometimes if you don't get that, oh, I know why I came in here, you have to go up and look at something and go, oh, uh, yes, this is what I wanted, yeah. And then, you, and then you take that away. You didn't need that thing at all. You just don't want to look like you don't know what you're doing. Welcome to my world, then. I've got to tell you, I was, uh, I was once so forgetful, I forgot to pick my daughter up from school uh, until the teacher called me. She was not okay about it. My daughter, not the teacher. The teacher was fine. My daughter didn't speak to me for a couple of days. Uh, On the other hand, I also arrived about an hour early to pick her up on another time, so I think that pretty much balances it out. So why am I telling you this? What's it got to do with this uh, Samaritan woman's encounter with Jesus? Well, on the face of it, you might be forgiven for thinking that our Samaritan lady was also a bit forgetful because she does three very strange things during the story. The first thing is she never actually draws any water from the well. She's there to fill up her jar at the well, but she never gets any. But that's okay. Maybe she just forgot what she went there for. We've all done that. Then there's the fact that she leaves from her house to draw water from the town well in the middle of the day. 
which is also the hottest part of the day and a time when everyone else, everyone else who's smart, is indoors, keeping cool and resting. But that's okay. She probably just forgot the time, just like me. Then finally, she forgot her water jar altogether, and she left the thing at the well as she ran back into town. Talk about absent-minded, right? She's as much of a goldfish as I am. Or maybe there's another explanation for her strange behavior. Let's look at the rest of the story and see. If you've got your Bibles, let's look at John chapter 4, verses 7 to 15 to start. When he saw her, Jesus said to the woman, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, but Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't even have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? And Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, said the woman, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here and get water. Let's pause here for a moment because I think this explains why the woman never draws any water from the well, right? It's not that she's forgotten why she came. It's that she don't want well water anymore. She wants this living water that Jesus is offering her. What she hasn't grasped is that Jesus isn't talking about physical water at all. He's using the image of water to represent the Holy Spirit. Later on in the book of John, in chapter 7, Jesus says, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And John adds, when Jesus said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who he would give to everyone believing in him. Jesus knows this woman is thirsty for more than the physical water that gives life to her body. She's thirsty for the Holy Spirit that gives life to her spirit. Guys, that's true of all human beings. We all have a deep thirst for something spiritual in our lives. And we try to quench that thirst with things like physical pleasures or maybe with spiritual pursuits. 
But just like well water, they only seem to satisfy us for a short time. Soon we become thirsty again, and the cycle starts once more. Church, I want to ask you a question. Where are you getting your water from? Are you coming to Jesus daily and receiving the living nourishment from your soul or for your soul that comes through the Holy Spirit, welling up like a fountain within you, refreshing, blessing, and equipping you? Or are you making do with well water? Are you imbibing the things that the world offers? The things that only have the appearance of life and that can only satisfy some of your needs some of the time. My dear brothers and sisters, if we want to step out in faith for God, and I know you do, then we need to make sure we're drawing our spiritual sustenance from the Holy Spirit. That we're quenching our spiritual thirst with his living water. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that stirs faith in us. He's the one who gives us life, and he's the one who helps us discern what is the perfect and pleasing will of God. Maybe you're here this morning, and you don't know Jesus, but you do know you're thirsty, spiritually thirsty. Maybe you've tried to quench that thirst in all sorts of ways, but it always comes back again. Let me encourage you come to Jesus today. He's making you the same offer he made to the Samaritan woman. He says, if you really knew who I am, if you believed in me, you'd come to me and and ask me to satisfy your spiritual thirst. And I would give you the Holy Spirit who will well up in you like a fountain giving you eternal life and you will never be thirsty again. Verses 16 to 19, back at the well. Jesus said to the woman, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you are a prophet. This is the reason the Samaritan woman's gone to the well at midday. It's not that she forgot what time of day it was. It's not that she forgot that, oh, it's a good idea to rest in the shade at this time of day. It's the opposite. She was counting on the fact that no one else would be around. You see, she was hoping to avoid everyone because she was ashamed of her life choices. She was ashamed of the situation she was living in. Now, it's not impossible that five of her husbands had died, but it seems unlikely. What's more probable is that her moral compass was off, that she hadn't been faithful to her previous husbands leading to divorce. Either way, Jesus' words imply that her current circumstances, where she's living with a man who wasn't her husband, were morally wrong. Now this would have brought dishonor on her in the eyes of the rest of her community. It would have caused people to behave negatively towards her. 
here's the thing. Jesus doesn't do that. He's already broken protocol because he spoke to the woman in the first place. He's already broken protocol because she's a Samaritan and he's a Jew. He has every reason to treat this woman disrespectfully or with disdain. But he doesn't. Remember this, the woman didn't tell Jesus this information. He knew it supernaturally. And it's that fact that causes the Samaritan woman to declare that Jesus must be a prophet. Someone who hears from God and speaks on behalf of God. Jesus knew this information before the woman had even left her house, let alone before their conversation started. Think about that. And yet he still stopped by that well. Still initiated a conversation with her. And even more incredibly, he invited her to believe in him, to receive his Holy Spirit and the reality of eternal life. Jesus didn't wait for her to get her life in order so she could come to him. He called to her just as she was, right where she was. The Samaritan woman came to the well hoping to find no one because of her sin and her shame. Instead, she found Jesus, who offered her salvation in spite of or even because of it. Maybe there are things in your life that you're ashamed of. Morally wrong decisions that you've made, life choices. Maybe you're living in the reality of those choices and you can't see a way out. Maybe you think getting to know Jesus is impossible because of your life choices. I want to tell you this. He knows all of your sin, your shame, and yet he's come to find you right where you are this morning. Just in hearing this message, he is starting a conversation with you today. He's inviting you to believe in him, to receive his Holy Spirit and the reality of eternal life. Friends, whether you came here today looking for someone or no one, Jesus isn't waiting for you to get your life in order. He's looking for you just as you are. Church, we need to learn from this too. If we want to step out in faith by sharing the good news, then we need to remember We are not called to get people's lives in order so they can meet Jesus. We are not called to get people's lives in order so they can meet Jesus. We are called to invite them to meet Jesus so he can give them an eternal life. Do you see the difference? Just like Jesus, when we meet people, we need to meet them as they are, where they are. But we know we can do that confidently because we know from our own experience that God doesn't leave them where they are. Amen? Jesus and the Samaritan woman talked for some time about many things, and we haven't got time to dig into those, although there's absolute gold in there. I'd advise you to go back and have a look at that. But in verses 25 and 26, the woman says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. 
Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. This is it. This is the moment of revelation for the Samaritan woman. At first, she thought Jesus was just a guy at a well. Then she understood he was a prophet from God. But now, now she believes he's the Messiah, the Savior, the one who's going to rescue all God's people, restore their relationship with God, and usher in a new heavenly kingdom. Verse 27 to 29. Just then, the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a Samaritan woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? Good choice, I think. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. This is why she left her jar at the well. She didn't forget it like me. She intentionally abandoned that thing because she'd gained something far more precious and pressing. She'd encountered Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, and now she was desperate to see others encounter him too. So she ran back to town to invite anyone who would listen to come and meet him for themselves. Again, she didn't go into town and say, guys, get your stuff in order. Sort out your business, sort out your life, and then come and meet Jesus. She just says, come and meet a guy who knows everything. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And verses 39 to 42. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Church, I love this story because this lady has only just believed in Jesus herself. And yet she drops everything she's doing to go and tell others about him. In all honesty, it both inspires and convicts me. I want to be that passionate, that zealous to share the gospel with my friends and my family and my neighbors, but sometimes I'm not. Sometimes when I try to share about Jesus, I sound more like a life insurance salesman. Life is short, believe in Jesus. That's not how this lady, that's not how anyone in scripture shares the good news about Jesus. She invited people to meet the person and find out for themselves whether what he said was true or not. Here's the thing, if we believe that Jesus is indeed God, and we do, and if we believe that he was raised from the dead, and we do, that means he's alive right now, amen? The person of Jesus is alive right now. 
which means we can still invite people to meet Jesus in person today. So they can see for themselves if he's who he says he is. If we want to see God save our town, and we do, then we need to step out in faith like this Samaritan woman by inviting people to meet the living, breathing person of Jesus. If I could have the worship team up. My friends, I want to finish by asking you a question. Who's Jesus to you? Is he some guy at a well? Is he a prophet of God? Or is he the Messiah and the Savior, as he claims? I'm going to take a leaf out of the Samaritan woman's book and say, you don't have to listen to me. Come and meet Jesus for yourself. Come and see for yourself if he is who he says he is. Excuse me, church, I want us to respond as we lead into worship again. I want us to respond by examining ourselves carefully before God. I want you to have now in mind that picture of the army who's been going about their daily business, doing their stuff, but now the trumpet has sounded. Now the call to battle has been issued. Now there is a different feel. Now there is a different task. Now there is a different intention. Examine yourself in light of battle. Where are you getting your water from, church? Are you coming daily to the pure life-giving source, the fountain of the Holy Spirit? Or are you subsisting, making do, getting by on well water? I don't say that because I'm better than you. I ain't. Sometimes I drink well water. And I shouldn't do that. I have to come before God and say, oh God, I'm sorry that I have imbibed this thing. I'm sorry that I've taken this stuff that's devoid of goodness into me instead of coming to you and receiving what I need. It's not okay, but it's all right. What we need to do is come before our Heavenly Father and say sorry and then turn around and do something different. Maybe like me this morning, you've been challenged by the example of the Samaritan's woman's step of faith. You see how God took that little step of faith and did a massive thing with it. Maybe you want to be more bold, more courageous, and more zealous in stepping out for Jesus in evangelism. As we worship now, I'm going to ask if you'd like to respond to either of those things. Either you've been drinking from well water and you don't want to do that no more, or you want to step out in faith for Jesus in evangelism, I'm going to ask you to, everybody bow your heads, and if you want to respond to either one of those things, raise your hand, because I'm going to pray for you right now where you are. Let's see some different stuff happening as a result of what happens here today. And then Paul, Paul is going to lead us in worship as a response. So bow our heads. If you've been drinking well water and you don't want to do that anymore, just put your hand up. Don't be ashamed about that. That's okay. If you, thank you guys. If you want to step out in 
faith for evangelism. You want to see God break through in this town. Put your hand up. Thank you, guys. Yes, amen. Amen. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that when we drink well water, you still love us. Thank you that when we drink well water, you just want better for us. And so I lift up my brothers, my sisters, and my friends, Lord. And I ask you to forgive them, Lord, for when they've taken stuff in that's not good for them. I pray, would you just wipe shame away from them because of the blood of your cross that we've already talked about this morning. And I pray, would you instead well up that living water in their hearts, in their souls, that does them so much good. And I pray even now they would come to feel that nourishment and that blessing and that equipping and that joy that comes from that fountain spilling out, bursting out inside them. God, I pray that this changes them. Thank you for their obedience, Lord, in turning around and saying, I'm going to do something different now. God, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters and my friends, Lord, who want to step out in evangelism. I pray, Lord, would you equip them and anoint them for that task. Would you stir a godly, holy, zealous fire in their hearts to see people saved and added to your kingdom. But I pray, Lord, they would understand and know in their hearts it's about inviting people to meet you, the living, breathing Jesus. God, I pray that as a result of today, Lord, we would see many, many lives brought out of darkness into, into light, taken from well water and receiving eternal living water. God, I pray, would you do a mighty work within us this morning as we hear that call to battle, that cry to war against the forces and the domain of darkness. And I pray that we would step out in faith in all those little ways that you call us to, so that you might do great big things as a response. Amen.